Hey everyone, thanks for joining. I'm speaking with Sadia Hamid again today. Sadia is a human rights activist. She's got an organization called Gloucester Sisters. And I was going to, I wanted to speak to her today specifically about racism, everything that's happened um, in the U.S., what's going on around the world, like you know, the horrific killing of George Floyd. And, and I think I, like, I want to focus a little bit more around the general discourse and where I think this is, like the discourse is going wrong and some of it sounds good, but where is it coming from and why some of the popular attitudes might not be the right way to go about it. Um, and then I'm sure Sadia has got other stuff she wants to talk about. So we're just going to kind of talk about race and racism and everything that's going on. Hey, Sadia, thanks for coming back on. Hi, thank you for having me, babe. Yeah. So yeah, right, so we're going to solve the world's race relations today, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in like an hour. What 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 have you been your thoughts about what's happening? Okay, like for me, it's okay. The George Floyd thing, right? You know, everyone said it, and I, you know, it was absolutely disgusting and horrific. And I hope those officers face the harshest penalty penalties, like the you know the full extent of the law, and the, there should be no quarter given. And yeah. uh, you know, like it's and obviously, but you know, it has to be a fair trial. You can't just you know. Uh, one one hour long trial and then you know you're guilty and but and also when mob rule takes over huh? it undermines the 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 whole um, legal process huh? so uh, find me a person find me one person on this planet that's going to stand there and say what happened was right I haven't huh? seen yeah. it I haven't heard it now, so they'd have to be, you know they'd have to be mentally deranged to say something like that hmm. not a single person has said that hmm. so you're right like the harshest punishment should be vetted out but also within the bounds of the law so i think the manslaughter punishment would have been perfect for them right because what he did was manslaughter it wasn't murder the burden of proof required for murder is much much higher rightfully so it wasn't murder and actually at this point we could have had a conversation about the 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 kind of use of putting your knee on somebody's neck yeah. not acceptable police brutality uh -oh. the need for the law to change policy to change the need to um to deal with the weapons issue nobody in my opinion should be carrying weapons i think the only exception that i think it's acceptable is counter-terrorism police because of the kind of world that we live in absolutely i don't think civilians should have guns and i don't think the like the generic police need to be carrying guns um but i haven't seen a single person say that what happened was right so it the kind of backlash in this and even the police you know even in the police They've had a lot of support, the, the protesters. I think there's a difference between protesting and rioting. I think there's a difference between those that um, uh, those that protest, you know, in a in a place and to somebody who has the power to change things. But if you go and start smashing up, up shops and beating up people that have got nothing to do with policy, with law, with reform, with even you know that are even powerful enough to affect politics when you go and harm them destroy their property destroy their bodies i saw some really mm. violent videos people lose sympathy pretty quickly because the answer to police brutality isn't more brutality or more violence but okay like and on the on this police thing right now this happened in the united states 
and you know we can have the the statistics talks and all that but the biggest issue here i don't think it's a race issue i think it is like you're saying it's a policing issue it's are the police trained properly and I, you know and as this has been going on a lot of people have been there's uh i forget the guy's name but he did a really good thread and he's like okay here's and you know there's like points in what you need and it's yeah. you know some of these laws I didn't know about, and this is the United States. I live in Canada, so you know it's not something that I would always look into. But you know this unqualified amnesty that the police had, like, no, get rid of that. Like that, that's wrong. You know, and yeah. you, know, you don't need that. And people are like, oh well, police can't do their jobs. You know, that only came in in the eighties, so they were doing their jobs just fine until then. Right? Um, but like all that stuff is. I, I I don't want to argue against it. I don't want to, you know, I think all that stuff is good. Like do more body cams, uh, independent tribunals. If something goes wrong, you know, outside investigators, like you don't do it within the police force itself, you know, all of that. That's good. But I think one thing that has to be looked at too is all these diversity programs that have come into the police since the late nineties. And, and I'm using the late 90s specifically because it wasn't like they had didn't talk about racism or anything like that before. Yeah. But, again, this is me making some extra- extrapolations, looking at when curriculum came into universities, speaking to people you know, in school, speaking to people in academia, speaking to people who've looked at it, um, and then you know, reading stuff from people like Jonathan Haidt and Christina Hoff Summers and stuff like that. And just... so. In the late 90s was when the first people who had masters or maybe PhDs in intersectional feminism and critical race theory started graduating, right? The master's level and the the doctorate level started graduating. They started getting into junior imaginers positions, intern positions in government, in journalism schools, um, yeah. in, in, well, in journalism period, in academia. In administration and universities, you know, so if you needed a phys, if you needed like, yo, okay, we're going to work on CERN, so you're going to go get a PhD in particle physics or something, right? Like you're going to go get an expert. Well, the police have a problem with racism, so let's go get a PhD in critical race theory. And, but but that's a logical thing to do, right? Because, oh, here's an expert in race. They have a PhD in discussing race. And it's a lot of this stuff sounds really nice, like critical race theory. It sounds like critical thinking, but they're not using the word the same. No. Um, like I think you can point to this, and things were getting better. Like I moved to Canada, my family moved to Canada in '75. Mm. I was six years old. I grew up in Montreal, fairly diverse place, but you know, predominantly white. Everything. I experienced some racism growing up, but things were getting so much better. Things were like. Yeah. It was, and we'd gotten to the point where attitudes had come to the realization that there's a lot of stuff still wrong in the background, and we could look at those things. But we turned to critical race theory to look at how to fix those things. Yeah. And, I mean, if we're going to look at policing, if we're going to look at everything going forward, I think we have to look at how we're dealing with it. And we've done it for the last 20 years. It hasn't worked. Yeah. Let's find a different way to do it. And let's, because, and the reason I bring it up is because everyone's using the term anti-racism and they don't know quite what it means. Um, like, 
it sounds nice, but it's if you're not anti-racist, you're racist. How how about I just don't support racism and I just don't be racist? But that's not good enough, right? You have to be anti-racist, and it's you have to look at yourself and the racism you've caused, how you've aided the system, right? And when they say system, they mean everything. Yeah. And so. If you're an immigrant, and this comes straight from the literature, this is why I'm opposed to this stuff, and why I think it's wrong, and why I think it's not going to help in fighting anything that's going on right now. If you're an immigrant, and you've come over, and you've done well in the UK, or the United States, or Canada, you are part of the colonizing force, you have taken on the system, you have, you have taken on whiteness, you are part of white supremacy, and because you are helping the colonizers out, because these people are still colonizers, you are aiding in the genocide of the indigenous people. You're helping whiteness, right? So, and then this th- stuff of blackness as well, right? So if a Nigerian family moves to the United States, you know, or moved to the United States 15 years ago, and they had young children with them. Their children basically grew up in the United States. Their children are in their 20s now and are going to school. I mean, they're told that they don't have blackness or they're not politically black. That thing with Joe Biden, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And then there were critical race scholars, like people with blue check marks. A woman who just won the Pulitzer, right? Hannah Nicole Smith um, saying, well, you know, we, we know what all that means. There's, there's, you know, that you can be black or you can be politically black. There's two different things. I don't like this politicizing of identities. I don't like that if you're LGBT, you have to be left-wing. I don't mm. like if you're an immigrant, you have to be left-wing. I don't like that your uh, your your identity is politicized because mm. the worst thing happens with that. When you politicize any issue, what that means is there's a lot of people that don't end up getting the support that they're entitled to. Mm. Um, you know, a, a a good example of that was the British UK, uh, the, the British grooming gangs, because the BNP came in and started uh, campaigning about this issue. Now, any time any person in this country mentions the grooming gangs, all of a sudden they're considered far right. And I think the same with immigration as well. You can't talk about immigration without being accused of being far right. If you're not an open border zealot, you're you're far right. It's ridiculous. Why are all of these conversations politicized? That would never be a condition for somebody who went to the the doctors. Although I saw something about um, uh, here that if you and I didn't I didn't check it out. I'm just going to tell you what I mm. saw, which made me my blood boil. But if you're if you're um, if you're racist or a far right, that that you can be denied medical help. That is not acceptable. And like I said, I didn't check it out. I just saw it. I didn't check it out. But if that's starting to happen, that's not okay. Because even even that person pays taxes. And by by behaving like that, what are you going to change? Yep. Okay. And I just want to swing this back around, okay? There is problems with racism. And, I, and again, I, I, I'll state, it, state this again. And, I, I you know, there are people looking into it. But we, like, we as society or whatever, like, you know, the policymakers, when they started putting this stuff in, in the late 90s or by about 2000, they took us backwards. We are back where we were, like, you know, I think it's worse than when I was here in the 70s. And, you know, 
and everyone is so hyper focused on race. I mean, there was that picture of that poor young girl, and I don't know how old she was. She to me, she looked like she was about four or five, and oh, she no. looked so sad. And she's holding up a thing saying "privileged," and I mean that to me reminded me of that movie Jesus Camp. I don't know if you've ever seen Jesus Camp. If you haven't, check it out. It's horrific what they do to these kids. It's these evangelicals, and you know. <laughs> There's a way to have a conversation about race with your kids, and you know, and that isn't it. <laughs> no, it's it's not. But I mean, I, I saw another one. It was a young black girl, and I think she was nine or ten. Again, I, I can't tell age with kids. Like I, I you know, I, I but like she looked about nine or ten, and she was crying and bawling because that she might get killed because of the color of her skin. Now that kind of to her this is the problem right when you leave kids to it they actually just get on with things yeah. by themselves her family have radicalized her to believe that that's the case that, like th this is part of the problem with this whole anti-racist brigade they mm. make everything about race even when things are starting to get better yeah. and I, I mean i can't say for certain because i'm not american i don't live in america yeah. like uh, my understanding is the deep south is still quite bad actually but i don't know for certain um but but what what the families are doing to their children isn't helping they're not encouraging them to cohabitate they want them to segregate yeah. it's becoming it's it's facilitated by the parents and the yeah. activists the yeah. activists are actually the worst yeah. of the lot really no but yeah and i mean again you know maybe we should spend some time on what we think would work but yeah. It's just because I'm seeing everyone taking these pledges. I have friends of mine taking these pledges and they don't know what it means. Um, and I'm like trying to say, look, just read some of this stuff. Okay. So there's a book called Acting White. All right. It okay. came out in 2013, I believe. Uh, this is being used in uh, universities. Uh, this book and they're all and the authors. I, I don't. I'm, I don't want to say for 100, percent but I believe the authors are working on pedagogy for K through 12 and curriculums. Right. But it's being used in curriculums. There's videos from New York City. There's a guy telling New York City educators about how being on time is acting white, and not you shouldn't force your students of color to be on time or get their work in on time because you're forcing them to act white. Okay. So lower the standards of any person of color, yeah. so that they don't achieve the same. That's the uh, way to do uh, it. Oh, okay. No, but 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 because of cultural differences. I mean, I'm like, that's going back to the '50s. That's separate but equal, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, a friend of mine. I, 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 granted, like this is you know an N of one, but like you can see it, like with that little girl holding up the sign. A friend of mine uh, put an article in Medium about his kids. He's white. His wife is Asian. So like Asian in the, the North American sense, so like East Asian, right? Um, so they're mixed race kids. And how they came home one day this past school year and said they wish they weren't half white. Okay, I mean, that's horrific. And and this is what's, like, this is why I'm, I, I, you know, I think there's a big problem on the talk of racism because this is what's being used. And this is being sold to you as being anti-racist. This is what we heard from black brown you know like um immigrant kids in this country before right in in the anglosphere and western uh, sort of countries that's what we used to hear from like 
kids of color uh, we used to say that is that is the flip of that exactly what you want to achieve because that's still a very damaged child that you're creating uh, and it was actually that that kind of made me really really think about this recently i had a I had somebody that i was working with who said that she hates white people right mm-hmm. and i was just like so i've got nieces that are mixed race they're half brown half white mm-hmm. um and i was like so which half of them do you love and which half of them do you hate that's mm-hmm. what made me think of it and i think that those kids are the future like that is how we get rid of this kind of kind of racism really mm. by by breeding together by falling in love breeding together having new generations grow up that are a kind of a mixture of different racial and ethnic backgrounds i think that's a really positive mm. thing and to have a time now where we're going back to being against that is just mind-boggling i thought one of the more progressive things to come out of all of these current uh, the current situation was the new slogan all lives matter apparently that's that's fucking racist now yeah it's ridiculous okay that, that whole thing with all lives matter now because i mean black lives matter came into huge prominence on the national scene i'm not saying they weren't there before and you know people but in 2015 with the ferguson right that's when it got the now i understand in the thing with ferguson i even understand with george floyd you know, those protests, because, you know, it was a black man killed by the police. And, mm. you know, and like I said, we can get into the stats and all that again. And I think the statistics are important. But if you're a young black kid and you're pulled over by the cops for driving your car for something stupid, statistics at that point don't matter to you. You're pissed off, right? And this stuff happens. Let's not pretend. Okay, uh, this wasn't the police or anything, but this was right after 9-11. So this was the November after 9-11. I was flying to go to a wedding. <laughs> now, there's a, a couple in front of me. There's two ticket agents. There's a couple in front of me. One of the ticket agents gets empty. They go to them. I'm standing. And then the next ticket agent gets empty right away. I start walking up. You know, I'm brown. Um, people might confuse me for Arab. I've been confused for all kinds of things. But it, this is, like I said, this is the November after 9-11. So the first ticket agent that was serving the couple took a look at me and she fainted. Now, <laughs> okay, now I could have raised a huge stink. Is this racism? Is this, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going Maybe she had, like, maybe her sugar dropped. I have no idea, right? I, so, I mean, that's a very, very extreme example <laughs> that she felt. That's mental. But, yeah, but, um, like, like, when the IRA were bombing, mm-hmm. um, when they were bombing Britain, people, uh, Irish people used to get pulled to one side and patted down mm-hmm. and searched. And all of these sort of things used to happen. So what do you call that? It's just the, the difficulty is the people that are against this kind of profiling, and like I said, your example is mm-hmm. quite extreme. Like, it seems a little bit attention-seeking, that, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, no. That's different. But fainting and creating a scene... <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. But like I said, I, I laughed. I honestly laughed at that. But okay, sticking with the sticking with the same theme, right? I was working in Afghanistan, um, and I before that I was in Bosnia, and then I'd done some traveling, and so right after I'd done a trip to Southeast Asia, and I I was in Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia and Malaysia and um, Thailand, 
I come back to the base. Now, I've got stamps in my passport from everywhere, right? And I've got visas from Afghanistan. I'm coming in and out. And they're, my company's telling me that they want to take away my NATO ID every time I went out on leave. Right. And I just said, no. I said, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, what are, and I said, well, look on the back of the, what it says. I'm only allowed to hand this over to an MP or something. You know, it it said it on the back of the idea. I said, I'm not handing over to the company security. I said, I'm not doing that. And B, I looked at them because, okay, this is in 2005. You know, uh, the the whole war on terrorism going on. I said, I was in Afghanistan. I looked at them and I said, I'm not white enough to show up at the border with all these stamps in my passport and not have that ID. And it's, okay, that is a reality. That was a reality. I'm, I'm not saying racism. Because frankly, I would want the border guards to check me with that passport. Okay, the way I looked, you know, it, it's it's just that's common sense. That's not profiling on me. Like my passport. You know, go ahead. But the thing is, right in this situation, the problem I have is yes, profiling might not be ideal, mm-hmm. right? However, what is the solution for the people that become really hysterical about profiling? All right, give us a solution. Pop your hysteria to one side, because I've had enough of that, thank you very much. But give me a solution. Have you thought of something else? If you haven't, pop yourself to one side and let us crack on with our job, because there's still that threat. Like, you have to think about these things logically. Now, yes, I might not like it. Mm. However, I don't have another solution. So I'm like, yep, pat me down, that'll do, you know? But unless you've got a a concrete solution to the thing that you're hysterical about you actually can't get properly involved in the conversation because emotions and your hysteria are not doing anything they're not solving anything they're not they're not they're not a proper rebuttal to your argument that's the problem really Uh, but okay like going on with this because i mean i sent you that thing from quilliam and and i agree with some of the things they're saying in it but I'm like, okay, you know what? Okay, so they, they're saying we have to look at anti-black racism in the Muslim communities. Yeah, yeah fine. I, I, I agree there's a lot of it there. I, I agree with it. But, you know, you, myself to a lesser degree, people like Sarah Hayter, people like Mohammed Saeed, you know, people like Imtiaz Shams, like people in ex-Muslim spaces, even like people like Majid Nawaz, you know, reformers and stuff like that have been talking about this, right? It's yeah. the people like Reza Aslan and uh, you know Shadi Hamid, um, uh, Hassan, and you know, and the progressive like you know, I, I, stupid identity things. But I have to. This, this stuff forces me. Like white liberal progressives who called us yeah. Islamophobic, who called us racist, who called us white supremacists for talking about it. So those those examples, right, of those, like like you, right, the the, the huge frustration I have when we start talking about this arena, we do start using people's racial categories. Uh-huh. But those liberals that you're talking about, uh-huh. tell you what, right, immigration is an issue in Britain. I'm not closed borders, but I'm definitely categorically not open borders. So we had, um, we had uh, our Home Secretary, she's... Um, She's uh, Indian from Uganda, I think it was. Mm. Um, She created this new immigration policy, um, which was quite sensible, I thought. Um, And because she's a conservative, the same liberal, progressive, Mm. anti-racist, you should have heard the racism that was pouring out of them. So 
these anti like I said, whether they're white, brown, or whoever they are, these leftists, these progressives, these liberals, they, if people don't agree with them, they're the very first ones that will smash that shit out of the park. They will be racist, they will be, um, if, you're, if you're disabled, they'll start talking about that, because you have to. If you're disabled, if, you're, if you've got learning difficulties, if you've got mental health issues, if you're, if you're LGBT or the rest of the alphabet, hmm. or you're an immigrant or you're from a BME background, unless you're left wing, you don't get any privileges, you don't get any rights, you know, you're not entitled mm. to that. Yeah. You're you're less than them. It's it's ridiculous. So yeah. we're not allowed to think for ourselves. That has to be controlled by these these yeah. morons. Yeah, but okay. But, but, but I mean that that it's it, like, like this is it's a really horrific mixture of blank statism and essentialism. That the race is the construct, and that there's the blank statism, right? And then, but then, they define what it means to be black. They define what it means to be, you know, Pakistani or uh, yeah. you know, East Asian or whatever. Right? And if you don't fit that definition, Kanye puts on a MAGA hat. All of a sudden, Kanye isn't black. You know, I mean, like, what what the hell is that? Now, I just watched video five minutes ago, five minutes before we got on huh? here. And some vegan activist was talking about how it's all to do, you know, the meat industry is all to do with capitalism. I was like, hang on a minute, mate. You're the very same kind of people that would get, line up at KFC because they've got a new vegan burger at KFC. Yeah. What do you think that is? Yeah. No, but it's... The vegan industry is a massive industry. It's got a lot to do with capitalism. So back the fuck off. Yeah, but but again, like this... this... Right, we can we can you know the George Floyd thing. Like, I understand why they're saying anti-black racism, but again, yeah. depending on who's using it, some people know where that comes from. You know, yeah. it's it's all around the stuff of blackness. What is blackness? What is it to be black? So, if you're anti-black racist, you're not being racist against black people per se. You're being racist against blackness. So, yeah. if you don't fit into blackness, it doesn't really matter. Now, yeah. again, getting back to like you know these discussions of race and things like that. Yes, the Muslim community should look at its racism, but if you're talking specifically about the Pakistani Muslim community in the UK right now, like I'm just this is UK specific. You'd mention the grooming gangs. Yeah. You know what the racism the Pakistani community has to look at is their racism against white people, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And the police and the authorities and social services and whatever, the people who are holding up that report, you know, they should look at how they're being racist against white people. How they're, they're this is, this was, I mean, I don't care what anyone says. This was pure, unadulterated. I mean, you know, let, let's take the, the disgusting sexual aspect about it. Like, this was done because they're white. They're white slags. They're white whores. They, you can do what you want to them. It doesn't matter. Because even mm. even brown girls mm. that are like not 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 brown enough, if mm. they're not western, if they're westernized in any mm. way, shape, or form, right, they become a target as well. If they start falling out the remit of what's mm. permitted in their community in their household, mm. they also also become a target. So they hate anything that's western, anything that's um, is it white adjacent? I don't know if yeah. that's the moronic term. It's, <laughs> so demented you know but the thing is for me the solution 
I've never thought the solution to racism is more racism because that's all I've seen. You know, being an anti-racist doesn't mean you have to be anti-white or anti-Western or anti-European. And also, it shows how demented these people really are because the majority of white people in most European countries have nothing to do with politics, have nothing to do with policy, have nothing to do with legislation, absolutely zero. So why would you blame them for something, A, their ancestors, or B, the elites of these countries are doing when they don't have any say in it they might have a say in their vote but you have that same power so so they're not they're not above you um Mm. the the true discussion that none of these morons are willing to have is class that's still a discussion that they're going to shy away from because in britain there used to be there used to be signs on doors that everybody knows about right no blacks no white uh, no blacks no irish no dogs right Mm. but there also used to be signs on doors saying no working class people classism was that that prevalent at at one point but that's been just completely erased from the conversation erased from history how the hell is that happening and actually the historic the historic kind of um equality struggles in this country they used to unite the working class and people people like people of color used to unite with working class mm-hmm. people lgbt people used to unite with working class people because they were like you get the same crap as we do like there's a there was a brilliant film uh, called pride and that was exactly what it was about like there was a um lgbt like activists in London that saw what the miners were going through when the miner strike mm. was happening. So he just got on the, uh, he got down there. He started collecting money, cracked on, trying to support them, even though in the first instance they were really hostile to him. But that wasn't a condition to support this, this solidarity. Just came unconditionally. We're here. You get the same crap we do. We're going to support you. That was it. And mm. then the next pride these miners usually would be quite probably be quite homophobic because yeah. macho yeah. or uh, that's a thing. They were there. They went down in their busloads. Hmm. So this this kind of our rights come by trampling over somebody else's rights. It doesn't work in my books, really. One of the m- most inspirational um, moments in British history for me was Grunwick, where you had um, th- th- they were the they worked in um, I forget where it was. It, 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 they they were mostly South Asian workers mm. that were striking for fairer pay, better working conditions for everybody, not just for themselves. Mm. Right? It wasn't a case of we're brown, we want our workers' rights, bollocks to everybody else's. And the same dockers that had marched in favour of uh, Enoch Powell's River of Blood speech were there because this was a fight for workers everywhere, universal workers' rights. We wanted equality, and that was it. That was the primary aim. That was one of the most defining sort of moments for me in British history, and I love that. It's been done to death, the Grunwick strike, but I loved it. Um, And now we have groups that want priority they don't and they want to push other people out of the way i just don't think that's the way to win no and and again i mean like okay the look at the like i said look at where this stuff comes from and I, honestly like I'll, i'm going to put a couple of links in the description there's a friend of mine uh jim Lindsay, and uh, he worked he did uh, he's 
putting out a book with Helen Pluckrose coming out. But he's got this website called newdiscourses.com. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, now, he's starting an encyclopedia. He was working on it. I think he's pushing a lot of stuff out now. Mm-hmm. But it is the definition or the redefinition of these terms in the critical race theory language. And he's also doing some queer theory and he's got intersectional stuff in it. I mean, reading these books is harsh. Like, they're, they're not big, but they're the language is horrible and yeah. they're they're unbelievably they're horrid like the ideas in them are like we can get into those in a second but the ideas in them are just really disgusting um but jim breaks it down so if you hear anti-racism go on the new discourses website check out what that means and what that entails and he's got hyperlinks he's got all his sources he's got the books he's read you can go read that out uh i mean like i said you know what white fragility is selling read it just read what it says there's a section in white fragility i sent you that that medium article right about the white women's suicide and you saw the note at the end and that's why it said like read the whole thing because i want you because so they took a section of white fragility and i mean i know i know who did it i think i i'm I, I almost 100 sure i believe it was jim who did it but took a section of white fragility and it was a yeah. section on white women's tears and they replaced white women's tears with white women's suicide yeah. and this is where you hear like white silence is violence right so uh, and then also, this is where, this is the other side. If white people speak out about racism, whatever, that's also violence and that's also racist. So, yeah. if you've told a woman that she has, a white woman, that her, her whole race is racist and you go through the litany of everything, which I can, I can listen off for you, right? Um, she's responsible for all this. Even though she's never done anything racist in her life, you know, she could have, uh, you know, a, a, a partner that's a different color. I mean, like, what? it doesn't matter. But, yeah. And if she starts crying because of this, because this is, you know, you're, you're laying something quite harsh on someone and she gets upset and starts crying. Her tears are violence because she is drowning out black vo- voices and trying to center the conversation on herself again. And she's trying to make a show of being sad about being racist. This is fucking horrendous. Read, like I literally go read white fragility, see how awful it is and think, is that the right way you want to deal with racism? Because it's not. It's the it's one of the worst possible ways to deal with racism, and there's two things that are going to come out of that, isn't it? Uh, there's going to be self-loathing for that person, uh, or it's going to be anger and contempt because they know that they've done nothing wrong, uh, and both of those aren't healthy. You know, uh, if you if you're wanting to bring everybody up to the same level and make uh, sure everybody has the same rights and equality, that is not the way to do it. You know, I, I had this, the, the, the embarrassing thing is I had this approach a few years ago when I first started getting into, like, uh, talking about sort of harmful mm-hmm. traditional practices. I had this approach, like, you know, if you don't get it, then you're a racist, da, da, da. I had done mm-hmm. that, and I'm very embarrassed about that and ashamed about that. Um, but the, the, the truth is, you realize at some point that everybody's lives are so busy there's two kinds of ignorance there's innocent ignorance because they just didn't know because let's face it Mm. like our education systems are are pretty weak aren't they like you don't get a huge amount i learned about feminism after school not even in university actually i learned that in my own time there was a lot that i learned in my own time um so there's 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 that and then there's like nasty ignorance people that know and then they just go i don't care bugger off right yeah. um 
But the innocent ignorance, generally people are busy, they don't have time or the inclination to look at things that aren't relevant to their life. It's that simple. And it's not out of a place of nastiness. Mm. It's just that there is nobody that I know that isn't working to the point of exhaustion most of the time. I know some people have had a break recently, but but people generally are so uh, busy. If it's not relevant to their life, they don't even look into it. Yeah. And why should they? Yeah. Why should? Why do we expect people to know about everything that's ever happened in the world? It's it's an unrealistic and unfair demand. Yeah, and then you have to have an opinion on everything. And if you don't have the right opinion, you're the worst human being in the world, right? And Okay, I don't know if you saw the videos of the teenagers saying how calling out their parents on racism and stuff like that. No, I didn't. Okay, again, it's horrific, right? This is going back to the Red Guard. This is going back to Mouse, you know, uh, Paul Pot. I mean, um, here uh, I'll just read you two quotes. It's just they're they're horrific, and but like these these videos are teenagers. Calling out their parents' racism, and one girl's like, "I wish I didn't live here. My parents are the most racist." And I don't know what their parents said. I don't know their parents, right? But the fact that these these young people are so concerned about racism leads me to believe that their parents are probably decent people, okay? But they've been taught this stuff, and so just give me a second here. This is one quote. Um, uh, when an opponent declares, I will not come over to your side, I calmly say your child belongs to us already. What are you? You will pass on. Your descendants, however, now stand in the new camp. In a short time, they will know nothing else but this new community. This stuff has been an education. Like, okay, I, I can speak for Canada and roughly the United States. Since about 2013 or so, this has been in high schools. Like, this critical race theory, like, curriculums have been built around this. And, you know, this whiteness, like, being white and all that stuff. That we we're talking about mm -hmm. since about 2013 it's been in high schools and the last couple of years of middle school for the last mm -hmm. couple of years now maybe a little bit more it's been through it's been in k through 12 right. in like three provinces in canada all the way through you know so they like i'm not saying they did this expressly or whatever but you can't like when children start making these videos you can read yeah. um Okay, this is this is from uh, the Khmer Rouge. Let me just try to find it. Okay, later Khmer Rouge killed the wives and children of the executed men in order to avoid revenge. They encouraged children to find fault with their own parents and spy on them. They openly showed their intentions to destroy the family structure and that once held love, faith, comfort, happiness, and companionship. Like I, I keep going back to this. Like this, they've been using this in schools and not specifically like this but programs built around this thinking they've been using it for 20 years right yeah. and, you know, and, and you, i've seen it so many times that there's that african i just use it recently making this point you know the child that's not shown love from the village will find warmth in the fire that you know he sets to burn it down for 20 yeah. years yeah. the village has been telling children that no one loves them or they've been telling yeah. other children that you are the cause of all these problems and it's bubbling up now, right now. It's we're doing a disservice to our kids. We're doing a disservice to our societies. These are really, really important issues. Like you know, like I said I felt racism. I've had people be racist towards me. I think I've not had an interview because of my name or something after nine eleven. I've got an Arab-sounding name. 
I'm not going to change my name. I'm not going to raise, you know, I know. Do I like it? No. Do I think it exists? Do I think it's a prevailing force? No, I do not. I'm not that, you know, I'm not that pessimistic. I think things got really good up until the late nineties. And then we started doing this shit. Yeah. Let's go back to what we were doing then. Like someone again, recently did a study of, uh, major newspapers in the United States and when they used, and they might've used like, you know, the guardian and stuff as well. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I can go back and look at the study, but it was right around 2008, 2009 that it, it was like looking at a COVID curve, right? So nothing, nothing, nothing. And it just goes up, right? So around 2008, 2009, it just goes up. The instances where they used race, racism, racist, uh, white supremacy in articles, you're continuously told that you're living in a racist society. It, it is so depressing when, your eyes tell you that you're not, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah, being made to look for it everywhere. Like, uh, sorry, I, I've got to. I'll, I'll stop after this, and I'll let you. Right. But a friend of mine put this up recently on on Twitter. It was a picture of a. It was an advert for something. Maybe it was for the frying pan. I don't know, but it was a frying pan with two eggs and a couple of rasters of bacon to make a smile, right? And he says, "Does this does this look strike you as racist?" Because the, the frying pan itself was black. Every right. single frying pan in my house is black. If I took that picture, I'd get that. Now, was it someone trying to do something cute? Because it looked kind of silly and stupid. The two, you know, two eggs over easy. And like, the, you know, I like that. Okay. I like that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and then like he's getting responses that, yeah, yeah, that, that, you know, that there's something racist about that. I'm like, What? I mean, like, maybe the guy who took it, maybe that was his intention. I don't know. But I just saw the picture. I kind of snickered a little bit. It's not like I always have a bellyache or whatever, but it's not racist. No. Look, this is an industry now, right? Yeah. The, the anti-racist, this kind of activist community, it's an industry. You can get funds to be able to do anti-racist work. So even where there's not racism, they have to create that kind of hysteria, you know? The, the, the trouble is, when there's genuine issues, genuine issues of racism, I bet they're not going to be there, you know? The, the kind of, the more important discussions, they're absent quite often. I didn't see any anti-racist activists speak out in defense of Preeti Patel when when they were, were having a pop at her for being an immigrant and a foreigner because of her new immigration policy. I didn't see any anti-racist activist piping up and, you know, having a riot when Kanye West was told that he wasn't black for voting Trump. You don't have to agree with his political stance, but the, the point stands that regardless of who he is, he has a right to choose which way he wants to vote. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, but then again, that comes down to like where this blackness comes from. That's why I oppose, okay, you know, or with Priti Patel, she's whatever, South Asian, like I I guess brownness or something or Indianness. I have no fucking clue like how you, but you know, if you don't think like this, again, uh, someone I mentioned just earlier, Sarah Hader, she did this really long thread on intersectionality. And it was really, like I said, Sarah is one of the more measured people I know. And it was, she said, okay, you know, it got this right. And it started talking about this. It made some good points. And then it went off the rails. And it, you know, I, I used the term, I said, you know, like, I think I mentioned it too. Like it's when she wrote mapping the margins, she didn't map them. She gerrymandered them, right? She gerrymandered the margins. And it's, um, so by the end of it, Sarah got called, you're talking white. You're you're sounding white. You're you've become white. So I mean, I joked around and I took the 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 Shakespeare quote and I said, you know, 
some and and I use the word bodies specifically because they don't talk about human beings or people. They talk about bodies, right? Talk about dehumanizing. Like and I said, you know, some bodies are born white, some attain whiteness, and some have whiteness thrust upon them. So Priti Patel has had whiteness thrust upon her. I mean, like it's yeah. it's ridiculous, and they're anti-racist. Look how racist it actually sounds. It's the anti-racists that are the biggest racists I've ever met. Like I said, I, I, I find it very difficult to have any affection or liking for these people now because of the toxic stench that constantly leaks from them. It's like they've done a dirty fart and you just can't get away from the stench of it. It's disgusting. They're so unbelievably divisive. I... Like that's just not gonna is not gonna help anybody. Like the nicest thing you can be doing is living peacefully together, but they have a problem with that. The, these the whole microaggressions thing. Oh, Do you good know, Lord. I love it when kids used to ask me about the food that I was eating rather than telling me it looked like ducky, right? Because uh, that was the kind of stuff kids would say when you were a kid. But again, like as a child, like I I. I I was told when I said to my mum and dad that that was that was what they said. They said it was because it was racist. No, because our food does look funny and it uh, does smell a bit funny. And if you're not used to it, then then they don't really yeah. they don't really realise. Those kids don't realise that what they're saying is actually quite, like hurtful, you know. But I mean, that aside, I think kids are horrible. Oh yeah, 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 but, yeah, but ki- ki- kids can be I, great, and kids kids are just the worst. I mean, like you know, like they're. Exactly. They say things with no filter, right? Yeah. But all my parents had to say was, well, they've never seen anything like that. You know, and offer offer a different perspective. But rather than doing that, it was, this is racism, yeah. right? How is that helpful? Because then I'm going to go into school thinking, right, they have a problem with the melanin in my skin. And actually, it was nothing to do with that. It was just that my food looked funny and smelt funny. And we mm. hadn't had a conversation about it. And they just didn't know, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So... It's, it's such, parents have to take some responsibility for this as well. But our parents, and, I, and at, at this point, I do mean brown parents because that's our experience, right? That they are very, very racist and very divisive, and they look for racism when it's not there. They place racism when it's not there. It, it's this constant pushing it into our lives. But now you've got activists doing it because they don't have the same you know, a scale of issue to deal with that they might have had a, f- a few decades ago. They're creating it where it doesn't belong. I would have loved those conversations about my food, my clothes, my music. I would love those healthy discussions. But of course, that's a microaggression now, so we must shut up. Yeah, okay. And uh, just, you know, personal or whatever, growing up in Canada, until the PC stuff started in the late 80s, mm. okay, the, the, the two times when I felt you know, most like an outsider was when the PC stuff started in the late 80s and all these people meeting well, you know, were very careful about how they talked around me. I'm like, mm. fuck it. Just just let loose. Talk how you're going to talk because you're treating me differently because of the color of my skin. And the, the other times I've really felt different was when we'd go back, when I was a kid, we'd go back to India to visit, especially the first time I went back. We moved When I moved to Canada, I was six. First time I went back, I was 10. I looked the same, I spoke the same language, I ate the same food, I was going to visit my family, but I felt so different because I had, I, I could not relate to anything. Oh, and what did they say to you? Because this is what a lot of, uh, a lot of 
South Asians here say, right? Mm. They they say that they don't feel like they belong here, but I think that that is their parents' fault because now, as an adult, a lot of my friends that are English and are white say to me, "You are English, Sadia." If I, if you know, if we start having these discussions about mm. like how people make me feel, right? They're like, "But you're English." First and foremost, you're English. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I am. Like, I've got a healthy mix of the two, but my dominant personality is quite English, actually. Um, and I'm no problem with somebody who's more Pakistani, provided they don't have animosity towards the other part of themselves. I think that's unhealthy, right? Um, but I have to say, I've also felt more... I feel more um, conscious of who I am when I'm with these um, activists this PC in us makes me feel so it doesn't make it doesn't make me feel weird in that way but it makes me feel weird in the sense that I feel sorry for the people that are walking on eggshells mm. I'm like what do you think I'm gonna do to you yeah. if you get things wrong I'm not gonna explode and if somebody has exploded uh, you know with you because you've asked a question that they they thought was inappropriate then they're probably a little bit mental because and also that probably means that they have very little to complain about if a question triggers you to insanity and triggers you to get angry with somebody then your life's pretty cushy mate because a few years ago rather than a question it might have been a punch to the face yep and i mean and again, like, I really hate some of these videos that are coming out. Like, not just recently, but the, for a couple of years. But it was late last year, I think, or it might have been early this year. I don't know, but I believe it was late last year. Hmm. It was a black woman. She was maybe 20. She was a student at a university. I think it was University of Virginia. Hmm. And she got up in a common space, right? Hmm. And she said, you know, some, something, and I'm going to be paraphrasing whatever something like all you white people have to leave this is now only for people of color okay yeah. now she she to her friends took that video they posted it being proud of her yeah now she got pilloried now i i have a now i have a little bit less sympathy there because you not because of what she said but because you put that up being proud of yourself right yeah. <laughs> and that's an actually a ridiculous thing to say but again Coming off all this stuff, like she, this didn't come out of nowhere. I don't think this young woman is racist, okay? I think she's been taught this stuff. This is, again, go back and look at when this came into schools. She's being yeah. taught this. And, and they, they specifically say that. LA Times, just because of all this stuff, re-upped a piece from 2018. And it reminded me of the Family Guy episode when the border guard looks at Peter and he looks at him at the, the, the color chart, right? But yeah. the the LA Times had a pie chart with different shades of black and brown, and it said how different people of color uh, have you know whatever how different people of color experience more uh, racism due to like you know because of the shade of their skin, and it's just like okay. Uh, so if we want to have that discussion, <laughs> let's talk about how you know I've got a friend who's Pakistani. Uh, she's because she's darker skinned. Uh, like the crap that she gets from her family, and they're all Pakistani, uh. but she's a darker shade of Pakistani. Stuart Hall wrote about this as well. Like he was West Indian, and he was darker, and because of that, the racism within his community that he faced. Let's talk about that then. You know, it's just 
you either deal with the whole issue of racism, <laughs> and I don't like the fact that the definition has been changed either. Oh, yeah, that's all garbage. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So white people can never experience racism. I've known... I mean, like, I feel like I'm starting to... My head's starting to hurt from... Yeah. Yeah, 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 my my black friend, my white friend. <laughs> I've never heard that more than when I was working in London, by the way. So I, I thankfully don't live in London, right? Um, so it's it's weird in in London because it is more of a metropolitan left wing hipstery place, and in those kinds of places, what you find is your your identity is brought up more. Somebody will monopolise on your identity, whether you're female, whether you're brown, whether you're an atheist, even because mm. even the atheist community mm. is guilty of kind of you know my atheism is the kind of the, the most important thing mm. in my life. When actually, where I live. My identity is never brought up, and mm. never—it's never even something that's talked about amongst my friends and amongst my loved ones. It's never even mentioned. Surely that's what we should be striving for, rather mm. than my identity, my list of identities. Uh, it, on my uh, exactly. It's, it's it's who you are, not what you are. I mean, you know, it's going to sound corny and stupid, like, but but when you look at that identity thing, like that intersectionality, right? All, with the intersection of all your different identities, but it's their definition of what that identity means you know and it's so that's no i'm sorry but you are the whole of you is greater than the sum of all those little identities and it's it should be about what you, you know who you are not what you are like it doesn't matter like you know like i've done my 23 and me my dad okay my my father specifically moved us to a you know quote-unquote canadian neighborhood they're starting to be south asian ghettos he did not want to go into those he said nope i left india to leave india to come to canada right um was my father racist no no i mean like you know but like you said i'm canadian i i, I identify with being a canadian and whatever that means i don't mean in a nationalistic sense i have pride in whatever canada represents to me but yeah yeah but, yeah but more so than Indian, whatever. But my father was always proud of his Arabic lineage, right? He used yeah. to make a lot of it. Uh, his friends in Hyderabad, his nickname was Chaush, and apparently that's an Urdu slang for someone who's an Arab, right? Right. And, and even though, like, he had one of his friends was a descendant of Mughals, like he was, a, he was, yeah. you know, related to the Nizam of Hyderabad. Okay, so yeah, and and he had another one who had like something. To, so these people had Arab, but my father always put, uh, I did my 23 and me. And same thing for my, like, like, uh, you know, whatever happens in the Pakistani, you know, my mother and father were first cousins. So my grandmothers were sisters. Right. And my, and so they both came from Yemen on my mom's side. Like for her father, I think had like Turkish and Persian and some Saudi blood in them and some like stuff like that. So when I did my 23 and me, I'm about 60% South Asian and I'm about 31, 32 Middle Eastern. Yeah. But my dad always made up. Now, I have no connection to Yemen. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I have family there, but I have no connection to that culture. I have a connection to Indian culture in a way, but my father also talked about his Arab side, right? But yeah. he always talked about it in connection to India and in connection to where he grew up and his friends. And I mean, but it's like... To me, it's okay. I've got all that, but you know, if the Olympics are on, I'm cheering for Canada. I'm not cheering for India or Yemen. 
And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, Okay, somebody asked me earlier. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to do it actually. Somebody asked me to describe myself earlier, right? Um, like tell them about myself, right? So if I ask you, tell me about yourself. What would be the first thing that comes to your mind to talk about? I don't know. Uh, okay, because I've been thinking about this lately, and it would be my approach to how I look at the world. Yeah. And I mean, when I say that, it's it's not like some getting on some soapbox and saying, "Yo, I believe in enlightenment values, blah, 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 blah. But like, tell me about yourself. Okay. You know what? Uh, okay. I could start with the bio stuff, you know, born in India, grew up in Canada, whatever, but that, that's, that's useless. That doesn't tell you anything. Right. It's like pointing at a bird and going, that's a crow, a little kid yeah. pointing at a bird going, that's a crow. They don't know anything about that bird. Right. They know it's called a crow. They know that particular bird, is, but they can look at a raven and go, that's a bigger crow. They don't know. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. the same thing, but I mean, I would describe myself as, you know, yes, I believe in enlightenment values, but I would go on more than just saying I believe in enlightenment values, you know, if you want, and again, it comes in a context, like if you're on a, it's a case that like you're on a first date, tell me about yourself, uh, fine, you know, this is where I work, this is what I do, this is what I like to do for fun, okay, that that's a, that's a different thing, right? If it's a conversation about who are you as a person, then that's me defining my values because that is more who I am a person yeah. than the but fact your 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 race isn't going to come into it your religion no. your political views aren't going to come into no. it that is actually the for me generally that no. tends to be the least interesting thing no. about people I don't want to know where where they come from I don't actually care no. like I don't want to know about their their um the, like their um, race, I don't want to know about like their ethnicity. Might be interesting if it's a massive part of their life. But generally, what I want to know is what they do for a living. Maybe what taste they have in music. Like, are we going to want to jam together? Type thing. Like, you know, what foods they like. Like, there's certain common things that you have. Like, the very first thing anybody asks me about myself, the very first thing that always comes out of my mouth is that I've worked in the violence against women sector for this long. This is the area that I'm interested in. That's what I still do as a profession, right? I don't talk about my beliefs, my belief, lack of belief. I don't talk about my politics. I don't talk about my race. None of that is relevant. If somebody... Think, thinks that that is the first thing that they should be talking about. To me, instantly, I think you're going to be quite a div- d- divisive mm. character, aren't you? Because it's the least interesting thing about them. Like, their characteristics, mm. if that's all they've got to advertise, then actually they're probably quite a, a shallow, hollow person that I, I'm not really interested in. Yeah. And I mean, I, that, I mean, that's precisely it. Like, you don't... Okay, yes, the colour of my skin... Because of where, and I, and I think this would be the same in India. Like you said, there there is. I mean, people in you know South India hate the people in the north. People in the north hate the people. You know, like, and I've I've heard my father talking. Oh, he's from there in India. He's you know he's cheap. Blah 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 blah. Like you know, like because of, is that racism? Is that bigotry? You know, like it it but it is it is a form of bigotry. I mean, I don't know if it's racism, or whatever. But like the color of my skin, or whatever. Growing up in Montreal, yes, that that has you know me being called a Paki, you know. Now and then, when I was a kid, yes, that does inform my worldview. Like, no, it's not nice, and no, you shouldn't do it to people. Fine, great. But on the flip side of that, I, I think I talked to you. This I've talked to a few people about this. But like when I was fourteen or fifteen, I was taking transit in Montreal. On the seat back in front of me, someone wrote, "White power, 
Black Kaka. They spelled white, W-H-I-T. They spelled power, P-O-W-O-R. They spelled black, B-L-A-K. The only word they spelled correctly was Kaka. I was 14 or 15. I laughed... You know, I laughed crazy, like, like you're doing now. Like, it was stupid. And, and, and after that point, I'm like, you know what? If that's your mentality and you're coming at me, it's like, you're, you know, you're a packy, you're whatever. I've heard all of them. You're a push start. You're a pull start. Like, I, 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 I don't care. It, Imagine where we are right now, because that is, we would see the flip of that, right? We would yeah. say, see like black, um, uh, like power of blacks is like superior mm. and what white is caca. Mm. I don't think that's the solution. I nope. think if that's what we're heading, which we very much are, mm. you know, you've got people taking the knee for something that they have nothing to do with. Mm. I, I don't think that's the solution. Yeah, I really, okay. really don't. We're heading uh, in a really bad direction. Uh, How are we going to make people feel reading that? I think, but this is it, right? It's a lack of intelligence. Okay. You, you know, the people that are going to be putting stuff like that out there, there is a lack of intelligence. Mm. Maybe they don't know how to how to do things. But these activists that are leading these campaigns have a have a bit of a responsibility to steer these campaigns in the right direction. So you don't have people going and smashing up people's buildings, their homes, their neighborhoods, smashing up people's faces yeah. that have got nothing to do with any of this. But, any of the kind of experiences yeah. that they're having, like the taking the knee and all these little ceremonies. I just want to like, just just hold it for a second. But like what you mentioned, like the um, the the, the anti white racism, and like you know, the New York Times. I mean, she's no longer there, and it wasn't because of her tweet. She's no longer there because they said she didn't do a good job. Now I don't I don't know the internals there, so I'm not going to even. I think her name was Sarah Jung. There was tweets going back. She's like, I wake up in the morning, you know, wanting to kill white men. Those were her tweets. Okay. New York Times hired her as an editor for their op-ed page. Like, I think the chief editor for their op-ed page. I don't know the exact, but high up. In Canada, a couple of years back, I, you know, like I said, a few, a few pardon? Is that all it takes to get hired by them? No, no, well, okay. She, she didn't get hired because of that, but that was her mentality. Like, there were, there were plenty of tweets going back saying stuff like that. In Canada, there was a First Nations woman I believe it was in Calgary. I could get this wrong, but she she was held she held up a sign saying "Kill all white people." She was not charged with a hate crime, and she was not. We have hate speech laws. I do not like hate speech laws. I wish they were gone. But she was not charged with hate speech. Yeah. I'm this sorry. This this is not helping anyone because again, this comes down to racism is prejudice plus power. So you can't be racist against white people because that's the system. That's wrong. Okay, yeah. and. With these, okay, with these kneeling things, I think there's a couple of, I think you have to differentiate a couple of things. You know, police officers and stuff or military people coming out, kneeling down with the protesters, showing some solidarity, I think that's good, right? That picture of those people washing the feet or that, that video of the white people kneeling down, begging forgiveness from the black people, then the black people kneel down in prayer and then they ask for forgiveness, I'm like, I'm sorry, but you do not ha like what. So those people who did that little ceremony where they asked for forgiveness and then the prayed with the body, are they now ab absolved of their original sin by all black people? Like, did these black people there uh, do they have that authority to like they're completely absolved? Yeah. Okay, like no, like and th that to me is like I do, like you know when you heard Hitchens talk about vicarious guilt, right? No, I I'm not someone's not taking on my guilt and I'm not taking on someone else's and I'm not paying for the sins of the father. 
you know, again, we can talk about in, in the, in the South Asian community, racism against black people, but I've seen South Asian activists put up things like we need to look out for BIPOC rights. BIPOC is black, indigenous, and people of color. If you follow that thinking black and indigenous people have been more oppressed so their oppression is more important than other peoples of color so you should listen to it first you're in the okay uk you're talking about bipoc rights fine let's talk about rights for celts and picks then all right those are the indigenous people in the uk should we talk about celtish rights you know like like if you want to go down that road let's play it or let's find something fucking sensible yeah but what is the problem with equality for all yeah why is that good foundation why but, do they need to have this one-upmanship like, I, I don't really uh, understand. Have you ever have you ever read France Fanon? No. Okay. Uh, it is a horrific, horrific book. Read Wretched of the Earth. This guy was a psychologist from France. I believe he might have Moroccan heritage. I could be wrong. But he was in Algeria for the FLN, for the Algerian Liberation. And, I mean, he wrote a lot of stuff. But basically, the, 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 the essence of it was an oppressed and marginalized person or people's will only ever find closure if they oppress their oppressors for the same amount of time. So there, there's, there's a retributive aspect to this. So, and a lot of these, like, if you look at Antifa, if you look at some, okay, and, you know, Antifa is not one big, huge organization. It's the same thing with Black Lives Matter. It's not a national organization. There's Black Lives Matter everywhere. Some of the people in Black Lives Matter or Toronto say these things about killing white people. It's horrific. But that doesn't stand for all of Black Lives Matter, right? But they pull a lot from Fanon. So that kind of thinking where you are making them suffer for what they did to you, like, you know, these people who are kneeling down, I don't know if their families owned slaves. Maybe they did. But what if they were, you know, new immigrants that came over to the United States from Europe after World War II and their families yeah. have been there? Do they have anything to do with slavery? Like, even if they're coming, okay, even if they're coming from the UK, and you want to blame UK for slavery worldwide, which is kind of stupid. But anyways, the average person living in the UK when slavery was going on were, you know, serfs for for lack of a better term. You know, like they weren't, they might have been some merchants or whatever, but they were workers. They worked on a farm. They worked, they were, you know, tradespeople. They had nothing to do with slavery. They didn't own slaves. They weren't in the slaving business. So if they, if they came over for a better, if the Irish people during the famine came over for a better life, they had nothing to do with slavery. Or you know, or, or people coming over like so. The color of your skin has nothing to do with. Yeah, with that. It, it shouldn't. It it, it no. shouldn't. And it's. I mean, I I think we're starting to go a little round and round, but I mean, I yeah. you know, but but I mean that's this the basic thing. This stuff that they're using. All I'm asking people to do is yes, be against racism. Yeah. Be for equality for everyone, and let's talk about equality for everyone. And you know what. In New York City, there might be more racism towards black people than there are towards other groups, and that's a problem in New York City. Whereas if you're down in Phoenix, Arizona, it might be against the Hispanic community. Yeah. So what works in New York City will not work in Phoenix. I mean, the underlying idea idea of we treat everyone equal, let's treat everyone with respect, let's, you know... And here, I mean, I'm going to sound like some you know, critical race here. Let's hear what people are saying. But when they say, let's listen, it's, you cannot question. So yeah. if I told you something was racist and you didn't see why it was racist, you have every right to ask me why it's racist. It's not some big, it shouldn't be a hardship for me to tell you. And when someone tells you that they're not being serious, just walk away. No, and the thing is also, look, 
it's been used so much now, racist, <laughs> Nazi, fascist. Those words have been used so much now <laughs> that when, you, it, like, when you're confronted by an actual you know, racist or an actual Nazi or an actual fascist, if you use those words, they're <clears> going to be meaningless. People aren't going to take it seriously. <laughs> so they're devaluing what you know they're devaluing their own kind of um their own language in a way because it, it i mean i know that this has been done to death as well really but they, they need to take a more sensible approach and i don't think they are at the moment yeah. and right now we could have had a like you know with everything that was happening with george Floyd. like i said that i don't know anybody me and myself included who hasn't condemned this yeah. Everybody has condemned it. Left, right, everybody. Uh, you know, like I said, find me somebody who defended those officers. It'd be near enough impossible. Uh, and if you do, they they probably are, you know, in some kind of institute, to be fair. Mm. But now would have been a really sensible just time, particularly with an election looming, to have discussions about police, police brutality, the amount of force that police can use, about creating an independent body that regulates and oversees police behaviour and conduct, about um, guns, about um, policing by consent is something we use in the UK, having that kind of model there. Um, but I think we've missed that opportunity because of the conduct of the rioters, mm. to be quite honest. And that's going to be what, what most people focus on now. Yep. Um, but I mean, okay, it's a with, huge missed opportunity. With the pollution too, right? Let, let's look at what's not worked. I mean, honestly, I'd like someone to take a look at when this stuff came into the policing of how to deal with racism. And then at the same time, look at the media. When you're constantly told that you are under attack from the police. Like, the distrust from the citizens towards the police and the distrust from the police towards the citizens is a huge issue. And I'm not saying that distrust towards the police is not warranted. Like, you know, there's, you know, I, there's, there's plenty of problems. But let's, like, okay, they're, they're making this issue in Canada, right? From 2000 to, from 2000 to 2017, because those are the only stats I could find, there were 450 some odd police killing police killing civilians okay in 17 years in the united states last year there was over a thousand so to compare canada to the united states is saying we have the same level of problems let's be a little realistic you know let's let's be realistic let's not blow this out of let's not make people scared again and if we can go back and look at was this stuff working why are we going to continue with it right let's if it's not working, let's go back to that ethic of we share common we share commonalities. Let's, let's instead of focusing on what makes us different, what makes us common. You know, everyone wants. I'm sure police officers, for the most part, and communities want better relations between police and communities. They want police there to make them safe. But again, you know, going to the stats or whatever. Let, let's look at if you want to talk about policing in the United States in the communities. It was. Democrat mayors, it was Democrat governors, and I don't want to make this a partisan issue, but especially the mayors who were asking for more police in their communities yeah. because there were problems with crack. Because there were, and you know, I don't want to, you know, and there's all kinds of underlying issues in those communities, but nothing was really being done because you were focusing on just on the drugs, not on anything else, or you're just focusing on poverty, not on anything else. 
this is the other issue, right? You, I think that the, the, the other issue is that the law isn't applied in the same way in every community. So if we were take, to take the British context, mm. you know, a, a major complaint here had become that in terms of the grooming gangs, the police weren't going after them because they didn't want to upset racial sensibilities, right? Mm. Um, so if the law isn't applied in the same way across the board, the law is the law, right? You make sure the law is fair and proportionate, mm. and then you—that's that's your that's your guide as a professional, be you the police or any other statutory service, that is your foundation. You use that in the same way wherever you are policing. The, this issue is occurring, these are the policies, these are the laws that are, 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 are relevant in this instance, and I use them, and that's it. Then then when you take out this, this, uh, um, th this kind of allegation of racism. Um, so to me, I think that the, the law has to be applied and policy has to be applied in the same way across the board. If you're a citizen or a resident of this country, this is the law, this is the policy that I'm using, this is why I'm using it, that's it. I think that when you have communities that feel like they shouldn't be policed at, at all because of their ethnicity or their beliefs or whatever it is, then you start having a problem as well. So. Like if if there is if there is criminality in a community, then that needs to be that the law needs to be used to deal with that. That's it. That the the conversation about racism sometimes can be used to 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 say that um, you know the, the police is racist because they're 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 even using the law to come after us. That's the other kind of component of this this conversation. Um, like in George Floyd's case, it was the brutality that was the issue. And brutality, police brutality has been used across the board in, in, in the US particularly. I don't think we have the same level uh, of brutality in the UK because we just have a different policing system. Yes, we have problems with the police. I quite like the police. When they do their job well, they're fantastic. And also the police recruits are an issue here as well. You know, I, I met... Um, one police officer who told me that he used to go, he used to go and fight every weekend. He used to go uptown, fight every weekend, and that was that was normal for him. And the police straightened him out, but he was pretty he was pretty scary as a police officer as well, to be quite honest. <laughs> There's a lot of sensible discussions that we're not being able to have because because of the way the, this this issue's now been handled. And I feel like that is a missed that is a missed opportunity actually. Uh, I, you know, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I think we still have a chance because while all the, you know, okay, no, protesting can go on as long as you want. Well, while all the rioting, the looting, and the violence and the insanity is going on, we can't have this conversation. You know, yeah. it's devolving to, you know, the crowd in Minneapolis saying, okay, disband the police department. It's, 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 yeah. it's not, it's not an answer. But yeah, it's, you know, I. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I, I, we've been at this for a little bit. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, but, you know. So it's going to go any minute. Unfortunately, Sadia's battery ran out, so um, we were disconnected. Anyways, we were finishing up anyways. Thank you all for listening. I will recommend, again, that uh, look in the bottom for the links for new discourses. Please go check it out. If you want to get more of an idea of what we were talking about, where some of these words come from, uh, James Lindsay has done a great job. He's put... In every article, there's all the bibliography, papers, books, wherever you got it from. 
and then it has links to other articles on his site that explain some of this other stuff. Anyways, thank you everyone for listening, and thanks a lot for Saturday for coming back, uh, coming back on.